Thank you, Lord, for that grace. Thank you for that mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for the privilege of being your children, Lord. Being adopted by your grace, Lord. When we were sinners out in the world, you saved us, Lord. You redeemed us. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for your love and mercies this morning that can reach further down than what we can look up. Lord, that can tender the heart, that can change the life, that can bring you a sinner into your presence and change them forever. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for your work of grace that you've done for us. As the psalmist said, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. We were all wretches, lost without you. We need you this morning, Lord. We're your children. We have gathered in your name. We're asking, Lord, that you'll minister the hearts of your children. Lord, that you'll speak directly. Let us speak, oh God, as an oracle of God. You've just taken us over. Speaking directly, Lord, to every situation, every need. You know, Father, the soul that is near as hell today. And we pray, God, that you'll redeem and bring them to you. You know, the one that is so sick in their body, Lord, we hear the different ones, the Middleton family, Jonathan's family that's very sick today. Bring a healing touch to them. Lord, the, the, the shut-ins that would love to be here, Lord, can't make it today. I pray that you'll provide a special grace for them. Lord, for those that are under the sound of our voice, as the message will go out across the country through the, through the airwaves or the ether waves or whatever radio waves, however it goes. Lord, I pray that you'll touch hearts and change lives. That you'll illuminate your people. That you'll cause them to believe. Lord God, I, I just give this service to you. I give myself to you. I ask for your anointing now that you'll just break every yoke of sin and unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You will turn with me in your Bible to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read from there this morning. Trusting the Lord will just um, speak to you and illuminate his word to you. Amen. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so she brought forth the man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, 
and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, in heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down to you. Uh, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the woman were given, to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times and a half time, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ." Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking this morning on the battle for preeminence. As you know, I spoke of a dream that I had here lately where that I was preparing for meetings. And um, there, I, as I laid out things to take, I had uh, laid out a, a weapon that was um, just, that just fit me. And I was going to load, load it and prepare with a couple of things that, from what Brother Branham taught on, uh, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. And another was on, um, the, you know, God in his universe, God in his son, God in his people. And so, you know, as I tied those two sermons together and those two thoughts together in this dream and was preparing for the meeting, it has provoked me and caused me to study those sermons and just to um, look into the depth. As I remember Brother Brandon talking about in Christ, the mystery of God revealed, he said, if you miss it, come back to this tape. And uh, so, you know, we, we always want to go back and look and make sure that we're um, in, steady in the faith, that we know where we're, what we are talking about. If you hadn't listened to those sermons of lately, I think it'd be a good thing for you to do is to go back over those things again. Now, um, but in there, Brother Branham had a lot to say about preeminence. And because this is one thing that he would do with, with, with God would reveal himself in Christ. And then he would, um, in order to redeem a people, and then he would get preeminence in that people. And once he got preeminence, he would take them back to Eden. And so this was the threefold purpose of God, what that God had in his mind. 
as, as Brother Branham would say it, in the back part of his mind before the foundation of the world. And, and we're in a, an hour and a time where that which was hidden mysteries that were awaited for the end time, we can now look back and see the whole plan of God revealed. And, and of course, this is what God has done for us by sending a message in this last day. And I want to say that I'm so thankful for the seventh angel and the sounding of that message. Amen. Because it, it was a message as Elijah was to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. Now, um, so when we're speaking about this battle for preeminence, Let's just talk about this for a moment because in the beginning, God's word had the preeminence. And apparently in the end, God's word will again have preeminence in a people. And so in the beginning, his word had preeminence over all the earth and the heavens were made by the word of God and the earth was ruled by the word of God. Adam would control the atmospheres of the garden and, and dress the garden by the power of the word. But we know then, we, we know that in, before the beginning of the earth or before the inhabitants of the earth, that there was a battle and that battle started in the heavens. We can see in Revelation 12 that the, the battle is also in the heavens. So there is a, a disturbance that is going on in the heavenly realms as, um, as there is a bride that is about to take her position there. And as she goes to take her position, of course, there is a, a fierce and furious battle that takes place between um, Michael the archangel and, and Lucifer. And um, so this, but this battle has been an, a long, uh, ongoing battle. And there have been many, many wars and skirmishes that have been fought. And, um, and so yet we're here in the time where there's going to be an end to this battle. Amen. Where that there, there will be a, a, a total victory and a total deliverance. And um, so the battle, it started on heaven, it continued upon the earth because the Bible said that his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast him to the earth. Now, Brother Branham did a play of words on this in one of his sermons. He said it wasn't so much his tail, but the, uh, you know, the T-A-I-L, but, but the T-A-L-E that he told. And, and it was the lie of the devil that caused the fall of angels and then it would cause the fall of man. Now, so he would, by the lie, the, the, the lie deceive angels, and by the lie, he would also deceive man. Now, Paul tells us of his ambition and, and that Satan will accomplish a large part of his ambition. If you look with me in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3, and they were questioning Paul about the day of the Lord and, and about the coming of the Lord. And, uh, and so he told them, he said, Now let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. So he said there's even to come a falling away and, and he said, then that man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, now don't just think of a 
fallen away at the end time, we, we see that there has been a fallen away ever since the first age. And so there, there has been a fallen away until the woman that began there in the book of Acts winds up being the whore of the book of Revelation. So you, you can see that um, there was a fall in the way the church continued to fall until uh, there, that she was irredeemable and God would have to call out of people out of every kindred tongue and tribe and nation. He would actually by his word have to create himself a bride. Now, so he said um, in verse 4, he said he opposes and exalts himself. Now, watch these words. He exalts himself above all that is called God or, or that is worshipped. And, uh, and so that he sitteth as he as God sitteth in the temple of God. Now, he's not doing this as Satan. Notice he is doing this masquerading himself as God sitting in the temple of God and he is trying to prove or show or convince in others that he indeed is God so you see it's a great deception that the world ends in a time of uh, an age of terrible terrible deception where Satan himself sits in the very church of God and convinces people that he is God and, um, and so he is worshipped, and he does this by opposing and exalting. So if you notice this word opposing, it, it is, a, is a battle that is going on, and, 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 and his whole purpose is to exalt himself. Now he says, I will be worshipped. In other words, I will have preeminence. So the, the battle between God and Satan is, over who will have preeminence. Now, I want you to notice that God also says he will have preeminence. In Colossians 1 and verse 18, and he, Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So you have two now that are saying two opposing forces that are desiring preeminence. Amen. Now, what caused the fall of Lucifer in heaven? Satan desired to have preeminence over angels. And, uh, and then, of course, he fell. And the angels that, that he deceived were cast out with him. And he come to earth to gain them preeminence over the sons of God. And he wanted lordship over man. And thus have lordship over the earth. Now remember, everyone, unless, unless you are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, Satan has lordship over you. Amen. There are two lords. Satan is the lord of some and, there, and Jesus Christ is the lord of others. There's your true two lords. Amen. But the born again, Jesus Christ is lord. He is a ruler. He has supremacy. He has preeminence. For the unborn again, Satan has preeminence. Now, so what was the fall of, of, that happened in the garden? It was when the lie of the devil, the word of Satan was taken and given preeminence over God's word, which gave Satan lordship. 
Now, so Satan came to the weaker vessel, which was Eve, and Eve chose to give the word of the serpent preeminence over the word of God. Now, this is, this is what happened in the garden, and of course, this is a very type of what happens to the church. As you see in, in 2 Thessalonians, that, that the church gives preeminence to Satan, and he sits there in the temple of God, worshiped as God. Now, so now, we know what happened. Satan used the serpent to get headship or preeminence over Eve. And by doing so, he got headship over Adam. And he took position over the sons of God. Now, preeminence. Preeminence, you know, is something that's very important in the marriage vow. We pledge to forsake all others. Is that right? And be true to our mate until death do us part. And so that means your spouse is to have preeminence over any other person or be first place in your life, of course, with God being preeminent over all. But now the woman type and the bride is to be subject to her husband. And of course, the husband is to be subject to Christ. Now, but because of sin, now when, because of what the fall in the garden, all of us were born wrong. We have to be born again. And we, that's, this is why Jesus' first doctrine came. He said, you might be an Israelite. You might be natural seed of Abraham. But you got to have a new birth. You were born wrong no matter what race you come in. No matter how chosen a race, you got to be born again. You must be born again. And now because of sin, we were born dead to God. And we were alive to sin. Now, so if you look with me on Ephesians 2 and 1, and it says, and you hath he quickened. So he made us alive because we were dead in trespasses and sin. We were born dead. We required to be birthed into another life. And that's the only way that, that that new life can ever become known to you is by a new birth, a personal experience with God himself. Right. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now notice Satan has power in the atmospheres. He, the atmosphere of your life then would become darkened and clouded with unbelief with, and, and it would permeate uh, your nature and you would walk according to the course of this world because, you, you know, because of the spirit that now worketh in the children of the disobedient. Now among whom we all had our conversation, that means our conduct in times past, in the lust of our flesh, notice we, we, all, we all were born this way. There was none of us born sinless. We everyone needed redeemed. We were everyone born in sin, shaping iniquity as Brother Brandon would jam these scriptures together as come in this world, speaking lies. This was our condition. This was where we are. Amen. Now, so therefore we all had our times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh 
and of the mind and where? By nature. By the atmospheres that ruled over us. And that, that atmosphere made us who we were. And that we were the children of wrath, even as others. Amen. This is who we were by our first birth. This is what sin birthed us into. But God, aren't you glad for that? But God who is rich in mercy for his love wherewith he loved us. Remember, we were his first. This is very important. We were his first. He had a claim on us first. We were in his book first. Amen. We belonged to him first. We never originally belonged to the devil. So he came looking for his own because his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, not by our own choice, but by our birth into sinful life, but he hath made us alive now or quickened us or brought us into another realm or atmosphere. Amen. A heaven's atmosphere and raised us up or made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved and had raised us up together or gave us entrance into and made us to sit together to rule in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here is the believer's position. He is to rule with Christ. Whatever he defeated, you're to rule over that defeated thing. Amen. Sin was defeated. Sickness was defeated. Even death was defeated. All right? So his grace gives us a seat of dominion enthroned with Christ over the desires and the lust of the flesh and the mind changing our atmospheres of our being from sin with its doubt and with its unbelief. Now, now we're, we're here in this end time and we see the patterns down to the ages. And we come down and we, we can look back and we can type ourselves and see us back in the Bible and um, see Israel. God would use her as a type and, and he would reflect himself through all of these characters down to the Bible. And we come to the end time and, you know, right at the same time that an angel of God Maybe not on the same day, maybe not exactly the same years, but whenever it was, however it was, in the same age, right about the same time. Are you with me? You have the the rise of powers, United Nations coming forth, World Council of Churches are coming forth. Right? All of these are, are coming forth with power, and then right in there, an angel comes to a prophet. Amen. Right at the same time that he is revealing himself to a prophet, he, you know, Israel is raising up and people are gathering back to their homeland. What is it? It's reflecting something that is happening in the, in the realm of the world. There's a turmoil that is going on. There's a uniting of time and signs. There's a uniting of people together, some against God's word, some to fulfill God's word. And so there's a whole battle that sets an array as good versus evil comes together and, and a fight is, begins to happen in the spiritual realm. 
and, and, and so it, it, it comes and it manifests itself also in the physical realm. Now, notice as we see this, Israel is always a type of the, the church, of the bride. She is always a type of her, but she is a physical entity where the bride is a spiritual entity. And, and so, there, right now we are seeing in recent days another physical fight over the land of Israel. And we wonder, what is this all about? Why is there a struggle? Well, because heaven is disturbed. You know, there, there are lights in the skies. There are um, unidentified objects that are there. There's investigating angels that are coming in. There, there's uh, turmoils in the heavens. There's turmoils upon the earth. There is every kind of spirit rising up, wanting preeminence. Amen. You, you have the white wanting their supremacy, and the black wanting their supremacy, and the Asians wanting their supremacy, and Russia wants to control the world, and the United States wants to control, and, and, and China wants to control, and, and everybody is wanting preeminence. And so in the land there of Israel, there are two people that are fighting for the preeminence. Amen. Now, the, the preeminence to be supreme, to be first. Now, the people of Israel, we know are the original owners. And remember, going back in our own thought of us, the bride the, the, the mankind, he first had preeminence before Satan did. And we were his before Satan ever got a hold of us. And we look here at this land of Israel and we see again the people of Israel are the original owners of the land and they were given by, it was given by God to possess this land. But we have others today that want to take preeminence and to establish themselves as the possessors of the promised land. Now you look at history, the book proves it. The Dead Sea Scrolls reveal that of Israel's ownership and their first claim to the land, that they were actually there, that that's where they were from, this is my land. And we predate our ownership was before all others. Now, we, we look at the history, and the, and, and the book, as we said, proves it. And, and you, you know, as I spoke last Sunday, the Israelites controlled Jerusalem 1,500 years before the Romans came. Rome controlled Jerusalem nearly 530 years, and the Muslims then took control for 500 years, and then there was a great tug-of-war between the Muslims and the Catholics. Um, the Catholic Crusaders against the Muslims for the next 150 years, and it would go back and forth, the control over it as they fought, and then the Muslim Turks controlled it for the next 650 years until the British in, in, uh, in expanded their empire, and they gained control for 30 years. And now through the miraculous hand of God who was present in their battles... The Israelites are now back in their homeland now for the past 70 plus years. Amen. I want you to get it. It was right about the same time 
that God determined that her pride would go back to her homeland. Amen. And it would be with signs and wonders and the tearing down of Satan's kingdom and advancing in scriptures that had, and in promises of the word of God that had not been achieved in thousands of years. Now, we, we look at some, the, the miraculous hands of God. Now, let's just see what all his struggle is about. Now, Abraham had two sons, but only one that God recognized. Is that right? This struggle began between these people back in Genesis. It's a long struggle. And Genesis 21 tells you about the child having grown, which is Isaac having grown and was weaned. And, and there um, Ishmael um, began to, came and, and began to mock the child. And, and uh, Sarah saw it and she said, Cast out this bondswoman and her son. For the son of this bondswoman will not be heir with my son, even Isaac. And of course, the thing displeased Abraham. And, and God said to him, said, don't let this displease you. Because of the bondswoman said, listen to her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, let's look at these two children. One of them was the result of the weakness of Sarah's faith. Amen. The other was the result of the miraculous power of God when the faith came. Is that right? So one is a child of faith. The other is a child of doubt. Now, again, these are the two sons. One's a doubt, one's faith. There's a war between faith and doubt. There's a war between the, the offsprings. Now, look, they're in the same movement. They're right, you know, right here, as, as in this case, the seed of Abraham. One a child of doubt, one a child of the bondswoman, the slave woman, the other the child of the free. And they will not be heir together. Now, so he said, take thy son Thine only son. When God referred to Isaac, he referred to him as the only son. I don't recognize the child of the bondswoman. I only recognize the child of the free woman. And they're not heirs together, but they, but, and I don't, I don't receive the one. I reject the one. I accept the other as the one of the promise. Now, so he is the one that was to inherit. Now, that's the struggle today. The child of the bondswoman, the Ishmaelites, are wanting to have preeminence over the child of the free woman. So when you hear of the Palestinians laying claim to the land and the city, the Muslims are the Ishmaelites, the children of the bondswoman and the natural, and here these two natural seeds are right there at the end time. And they're fighting right over the same place. Right? Amen. And this one is trying to claim, one of them is claiming that, uh, you know, the bondswoman child, it was Ishmael that Abraham offered. And, and here the Jews are laying to the rightful claim, it was Isaac. And this is our land and this is our place. And God had declared, they'll not be heir together. Amen. Now, 
Now, Paul said that the bondswoman will not be heir with the children of the free woman. He reemphasizes that in the book of Galatians. Now, in the spiritual, there is also, as they type, there is a, a child of the bondswoman and a child of the free woman. Now, let's talk about this. In the spiritual, that's the Catholic and Protestant denominations. Every denomination is a child of the slave woman. They're in bondage under denominational rule. Amen. And they lay claim. Now, look, they, they, all of them are laying claim to the place that God chose his name to put his name. In other words, that they own Jerusalem or the place of worship. You've got to come here to be saved. Right? Amen. But now there is also a bride, and she's few in number in comparison, like the Muslims are millions and the Jews are few. Amen. You got a few in the bride and millions of, upon billions now of, of Christianity. And they're all claiming the promised land. They're all claiming the rapture. They're all claiming the inheritance. They're all claiming they, that they are the rightful heir that they can take the Bible and, and put any kind of interpretation they want to and change the borders of the land to fit any whim that they have. Come on now. Amen. But, but I just want you to understand that the Muslims are not the people of the book. Neither is any denomination the people of the book. They are squatters on the land. Now, it is not a Muslim land. First of all, Muhammad never visited Jerusalem. And, and secondly, Islam didn't arrive there. Um, it was 2,000 years when they arrived after Joshua had established the nation of Israel. 1,600 years before the Muslims came in, David made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Even Christianity was founded there 600 years before the Muslims came. And, and the, the Islamic Dome of the Rock, where Islam laid claim to that holy place, was built 654 years after Jesus died at Calvary. So the Jewish temple was there long before the Islamic Dome of the Rock laid claim to it. Now, as we're looking at this, Remember now, Jerusalem, we went through it last week, was the place that God chose to put his name. It's 1 Kings eleven thirty six. Jerusalem, the city which I've chosen me to put my name. And, and it was also there where the blood, where blood was accepted to take away sin. Right? And it had to be in Jerusalem. Now, the Bible tells you that the meeting place where God will meet you is where the blood is. And it's where he chose to put his name. If you put a look with me at Hebrews 9.22, and uh, almost all things are by the law purged by blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So sin can only be remitted by blood. Now, Let's just look at this as we look at the religions of the world today. And I just want to name them. Even Judaism is now a bloodless religion. Even with animal sacrifices. 
They don't shed blood. They're bloodless religion. When you look at Islam, they're a bloody people, all right, murderers and so on, but it's a bloodless religion. Amen. They don't have blood in their sacrifice. Now, let me just get a little closer as we look at this. Modern Christianity is now a bloodless religion. Now, like Cain, they're dependent on a beautiful altar uh, upon which they present the works of their hands, the fruit of their labor. Remember, they're just like Cain in the Bible, the, the seed of the serpent. Is that right? They're offering the fruit of their labors. They they sing about the blood. They talk about the blood, but they have no blood. All their blood is historical. Amen. I mean, every bit of it is historical. But the blood, let me just say, the blood is not to be a historical substance that dried up on the ground or that stained the cross. And let's just talk about it for a moment. Not only is it not hysterical or historical, but but the blood of Jesus was not human blood either. Amen. It was not human blood. Now, this is what Brother Bradham told us, and show us the Father and it'll satisfy us. Uh, which is one of the sermons I just listened to. He said, have you oneness, twoness, threeness, fourness, whatever you are, we'll just get this in your mind right now. You shake hands and you shake hands and say we're brothers. Look, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus was the son of God that God overshadowed Mary and created in the womb a blood cell. We couldn't, you've heard people say we were saved by Jewish blood. We could not be saved by Jewish blood. It was just as sinful as any other blood. We were, we were saved by the blood of, the, of Gentiles. No, sir. We wasn't even saved by human blood. We were saved by the blood of God. God's blood. The germ life comes from the blood cell, and the blood cell here came from God the creator who created a blood cell that brought forth the Son of God. Now, there at Calvary, the blood cell was broke open and the Spirit of God living in that cell, it came back on the day of Pentecost in the form of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the life of the blood. Now, in the blood is life and the life of the blood was poured out on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit fell upon the 120. These men and women, women were not born of man nor of the will of flesh, but they were born of God. Can I say it? They were born of the blood of God. If you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have been birthed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The life of God, the spirit that was in the blood, Now, so we're born of God, thus the bride is the blood by the Spirit. Now, you know, some of the early message movements um, early on, the Prussian movement came out that they were now offering Cain's sacrifice. And, And of course, to offer Cain's sacrifice is a bloodless sacrifice. It's offering fruits of your hands. 
It's offering your works. And that movement is a, is a bloodless cult. Amen. Now, you know the reasons for, you know the reasons, the reason because denominations like cults. Every denomination spirit makes a cult. Amen. Now, Brother Branham said that there's no one ever known of God but what long to see God. And there's just something in the human heart that calls out to see God. And, and I've often made that statement. Every cult that ever raised in the world are nothing in the world but hungry children seeking bread. And if the preacher doesn't give them the bread of life, the devil will give him a garbage can to eat out of. So we want to, we got to give them the bread of life, the word of God. Now, let me just be clear. The blood today is not some red substance. It is not some element that, is, that is, contains plasma. It is the life of the blood, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that is the only blood that will save you is the life of Jesus Christ that was released from the blood cell there at Calvary that came back on the day of Pentecost when Jesus offered his blood there in the heavens as a high priest and sent back his life back to the earth. Men and women were born of the blood of God. Are you with me? Now, so you see, even now, men don't want the blood life of God and Satan does everything that he can do to keep the church away from the blood, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the blood life of God. Unless you have the Holy Spirit, you have no blood. Amen. That is his life. Amen. That is, that is the, the, the germ of God, his life. The Holy Spirit of God, and you've got to be born of the Holy Ghost. He's got to have preeminence in your life. And every place of worship, there must be the outpouring and the, of the blood of Jesus Christ, where that blood, the Holy Spirit, washes away sin, washes away unbelief, sets your faith back on truth again. Amen. That's why, you know, he must have the preeminence. Now, of course, in the indictment, Brother Branham would say, why did they say all men should worship at Jerusalem? Notice, all of these are one in Jerusalem. Let me just say, it's not just the Muslims that want Jerusalem. The Catholics have got their churches there, and they want Jerusalem. All of these are fighting over the same place. There's a war over this place. Now, Remember, symbolically, it is typing something that is greater, greater, and that is that all men are wanting to be the way, the truth, the life. They're wanting to have preeminence over all. Are you with me? Now, notice Brother Brandon said, why did they say all men should worship at Jerusalem? It's, there's only one place that God will fellowship with a man, and that is under the blood of the sacrifice, and that's the reason they had to come to Jerusalem. God will never meet with man nowhere else but under the blood. That's why the main thing that we must seek out is the Holy Spirit of God. 
being filled with the Spirit, every song filled with the Spirit, every all our worship mixed with blood, the Spirit of God getting over the people, responding back to the Word of God in the Spirit. It's got to be Spirit worship. Are you with me? Because God will never meet with man nowhere else but under the blood. And when you turn the blood down, when you turn the baptism of the Holy Ghost down, then your meeting place with God has been taken away. Let me say, if you just turn it into a mere confession of faith, if you just take it into, um, in, into joining a church or being a part of a message group, Amen. Anything like that, your meeting place with God is only under the blood. That's why we must have the Holy Spirit in every service. Amen. The ministry must be anointed by the Holy Ghost. There's got to be blood all over it. Remember, we are eagles, and eagles eat live meat. Amen. They are rippers of the beak, and they take that fresh meat, and the blood flows, and it gets all over the eagle. It sprays out over him. And I'll tell you, if you come to church and you don't, if you don't get of the blood all over you, if you don't get the Holy Ghost all over you, you are either eating on dead carcass, amen, that is maggot bread and everything else, or either that, you, you are not eating at all. But I'll tell you, if you're an eagle, where the carcass of the word is and the fresh killed meat of the word is, the eagles will gather together there. And when they do, they're the rippers of the beast. They tear into that word and the blood flows. Amen. They begin to worship God and the blood flows. Amen. The blood flows and the blood flows and it heals sickness and it removes sin and it takes away unbelief because the blood is flowing. Now, bear in mind, the blood is the Holy Spirit. And that's the only place he meets with man today is under the shed blood of the sacrifice. And Brother Brandon, see, I don't care if you're a Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, or a Roman Catholic, or whatever you might be, will come under the shed blood. God will meet both of us there. In other words, get the Holy Ghost and God will meet you there. Amen. And that's where we can all meet in fellowship on the same grounds because he will not meet just because you're Methodist. He won't meet because you're Perusia or Seven Thunder or even Mainstream or whatever title you want to give your, your little group or clique. Amen. He won't meet you because you belong to Evening Light Tabernacle. And that you were born on the church pew. That's not where he will, why he will meet you. He'll meet you under one condition. That's under the blood. Amen. When you get the blood, the Holy Ghost begin to move. Amen. There's where God will meet you. There's where man and God comes together is under the blood. Now, so the blood is always before him. He can only see you through that shed blood. And I'll tell you what, if outside of that blood, you're still a sinner. You're still guilty. Amen. Amen. Only under that blood does he look through that blood and he sees you white as snow. Now, he said, that's the reason you don't see things happening in the churches. They confess to believe the blood, 
but they reject the very plan to get the blood, the word. Now, what, what, what is it in the word? Where do we get the blood? The spirit. What word is it? Here's the word. Here's the plan to get the blood. Repent. Turn from your sins. Give God preeminence. Let him be Lord over all. And when people want to be a Christian and won't give him lordship over their temper, won't give them, come on now, they won't give them the lordship over their lust. They want to keep their sins and still worship that on the side. I want you to know this is a marriage. He must be above all others. He must have preeminence. There's no room for any other person, amen, to any other spirit but him. He must have preeminence. The reason you don't see things happening in the churches, they confess to believe the blood, but they reject the very plan to get the blood, the word, and the word, the word that gives you the plan to get to the blood is repent, turn from your sins, give God preeminence, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the blood or be born of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this is very, very, very vital and important that he have the preeminence. Let me just go over it again. You know, you cannot give the Holy Ghost without first giving him preeminence. He won't dwell with you and somebody else. There can be no other lovers but him. There's no room in this marriage for anybody else. Come on, your selfishness, your pride, your own ambitions, your own desires. He must be above all others. This is why people go for years without giving the Holy Ghost is because they don't give him preeminence. They won't make a full surrendrance. So, well, we don't need altar calls. Brother, altar calls are for that very purpose where you die out to your very sins, to your unbelief. Amen. Where you come and give him preeminence. Now he said, there, he said there's only one place that God will honor that word. You'll never honor it. Come say I'm a Roman Catholic. I demand this to be done. You can't do it. Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, you can't do it. Let me just say message, uh, believer, whatever you are. Amen. The only way you can do it is under the mercies of God through his grace has come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I claim the promise. And then if you're really under the blood, if you're really born again, God's obligated to that word, but first you got to be under the blood. You see it now? No wonder they can't believe in miracles. I'm quoting your prophet. This is why they're not under the blood. No wonder you can't believe in the supernatural. You say, well, Brother Tim, we believe it, but it just don't work here. Then you don't believe it. Amen. The supernatural will work where people believe. The reason they condemned it back there is the same reason they condemn it today. They're guilty as guilty can be because only under the shed blood. And those who would dare, dare, some little brother who dares under humility to take God in his word and walk out there confessing his sin, forget all these dogmas and things and stand under the blood and believe it. They want to call him a fanatic or class him an oddball. So 
Now, looking at this, this is the only place God is going to meet you. Now, denominations are the children of Ishmael. Sons of Hagar, organizations of men, they want to be the Jerusalem. The chosen place of worship. But they can't be. Because they didn't bleed for you. As Brother Branham said, in God's chosen place of worship, can a denomination bleed? You ever think of a church bleeding, a denomination bleeding? Certainly not. It's taken blood to bleed from a life. And that life here, Jesus comes into view by the Lamb. The Lamb was a type of Christ, foreshadowed Christ, because he was the Lamb of God that John introduced that takes away the sin of the world. We find Jesus coming into view here in Exodus' 12th chapter. It was only one place death could not strike. When death was in the land, there had to be a certain place. All from under this died. Only one place. Now, it didn't mean it was one house, but there was one place. And that's where the lamb was killed. Where the lamb's blood was, the death angel could not strike. Because it was one place God had put his name. And that lamb was named back there in the beginning, the lamb. It was one place he could not strike. And notice the same kind of thing today. There's only one place that spiritual death cannot strike. That's the word. Death can't strike the word because it's the living word of God. But when you put creeds in it, man-made doctrines, the word moves out to itself. It'll separate like water from oil. You can't mix it together. Therefore, you see, when the creed comes into a denomination, they all go out They all go after the creed and the word dies out and goes on with somebody else and increases it more. It picks up momentum, goes on to justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and on out into the grain. Don't you see? Do you see the path that God has trod, bringing his name all the the time right down the same because he is the word. Notice, it can't die. The word of life can't die. Notice how perfect the death angel was not forbidden to strike Egypt's great intellectual people. It wasn't forbidden to strike its sacred lands, its great buildings, or its pharaohs. It could strike any building, any place, anybody, but it could not strike where the lamb was. Now, he, the death angel, was not forbidden to strike Israel or its Hebrew priest or any of their denomination. All must be in God's chosen provided place or death struck. Church, wherever you are, what you belong to makes me no difference. But there's one thing you must know. You've got to be in Christ or you're dead. You can't live outside of him. Your, Your church might be all right as a building. Your fellowship might be all right as man. But when you deny the body, the blood, the word of Jesus Christ, you're dead the minute you do it. It's God's chosen place of worship. There's where his name is exactly. That's where he chose to put his name. Not in the church, but in the Son, Jesus Christ. Notice the safety lies only in the place of his choosing, in his lamb and in the name of the lamb. Notice it was a male lamb, a he, not a her. 
Not a church, she, but his name. Not her name, but where he was going to meet his people was not in her name, but in his name. Are you with me? Amen. Him, the lamb. This is really, really important that we keep this. It's not about her. It's not about the church. It's not about belonging to a group. It's not about belonging to a group called Evening Light Tabernacle. It's becoming under his name, amen, under his blood, under his life. You've got to be born again of the Spirit of God, of the blood of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sorry we lost you out there, I'm sure, but we're here in the congregation today. Amen. I'll preach this to you and re-preach it again. But now notice the church, the great mighty church, she did this and that. Oh, she's weighed the storms. We're picked up in population. We're great in number. We're a mighty church. She's a great thing. But God never did say anything about a she. He said him. Him is the meeting place. The lamb, not the church, not her name, but his name. He didn't put her name anywhere. He put his name in him. Amen. That's why that when, you're, when you become his, you take on his name. Not her name. You're not a Methodist or a Baptist or even like Tabernacle. You are, you are a child of the Most High God and you take on His name. You're identified with Him. You are His child. You are His possession. And you're there in His chosen place of worship. Amen. That's why we are, all we do in word or deed we must do it in the name of Jesus Christ. If we pray, we got to pray in the name of Jesus. If we ask petition, we got to ask in the name in Jesus' name. If we walk, we walk in Jesus' name. If we talk, we talk in Jesus' name. If we baptize, we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. All we do in word or deed, we do it all in that name. Remember again, it is not about her name. It's his name. It is not about some preacher's name. Come on now. He's part of the bride. That's still her name. Amen. In his name, there is power. In his name, there is redemption. In his name, there is forgiveness of sin. In his name, there is healing. In his name. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's nothing about The blood is not a literal blood, but the life of the blood cell that was released at Calvary came down on the day of Pentecost. Now, if you not received the Holy Ghost by experience, as they did on the day of Pentecost, you're still not under the blood. Let me say that again. If you have not received the Holy Ghost by experience, not by church joining, not by profession of faith, not by saying you believe Brother Bradley's a prophet or Jesus is Lord. Amen. But as they did on the day of Pentecost, you are not under the blood. Amen. Now, so as we look at this, let's just go a little play, a little further in the indictment. So we find that they're then only under the blood that God meant the worshiper. 
So they met at Jerusalem and Christ is God's provided lamb of sacrifice. Amen. And today there's only one place that God will meet man and that's under the blood of right. Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anywhere else is condemned, God will never hear. Amen. Now you might do all kinds of emotion, all kinds of isms and shake and jump and have blood and fire and smoke and everything else. But as long as that life isn't compared to the word and God thoroughly identifies that life, then there's no need of trying it because you're out and God will never meet it till it comes under the care of that blood. You're with me now? Now, so again, in the indictment, Brother Brandon said, so you see, the scripture we got in Jerusalem, the church house, it's in heaven. Right. 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 Amen. Right. There is the Jerusalem we are contending for. Amen. Amen. Yes. Come on. Yes. Muslims want it over here in the Middle East. Come on. The Jews want it over there. But that's not our Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's not our Jerusalem. Amen. Our Jerusalem is from above. Yes.
right. want to make it, make their movement a, a, a Jerusalem. Right. This right. is where you have to come. Right. Where you got to come is you got to get in the crowd. Yes. 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 It's only God's only place of safety. Yes. It's in Jesus Christ. Yes. You can own this church and be lost. Yes. Yes. You're to seek the Holy Ghost for that. He is to have preeminence 
church on occasion. But I'll tell you this, when it becomes a regular thing that you're all doing, that all the time, that's wrong. Amen. But I'm not going to make your personal decision. You've got to have the Holy Ghost and seek Him as to what you do. I just know that we've got a responsibility to the world. Amen. We have got a responsibility to the world. We're not able to preach that to the world right now. But we have got a responsibility to the world as our sound of our voice goes around the world to instruct, to encourage, to build up the body of Christ. And you participate in that. Amen. Amen. I'm not making decisions of where, when you can go fishing or where you can go hunting. I ain't making decisions on that. You make decisions. But like Brother Bradham said, if you're way out in the wilderness somewhere on a hunting trip and there's no church around, there's nothing you can do if you're fishing, I believe it'd be all right. If you're around the city though, where church is going on, you should attend church by all means. Amen. But don't think, as I said, that pastors don't have the responsibility to preach against Laodicea and lukewarm conditions that people want to put pleasures ahead of assembling themselves together. Preachers have the responsibility to call out sin. Amen. As Brother Brandon said, playing golf on Sunday and picnic parties and swimming and things instead of attending church, sitting home on Wednesday night, watching television instead of attending church, they feel like something, saying something about it, but the board will put them out. What's the matter? It's lot again. Looking out his window and seeing the sin and afraid to call sin, sin. But you see, what people want today is a son of Kish. Some king Saul to be a, a king over them instead of God. Oh my, this is, this is where we want to move on from here. Let me just tell you, uh, among men, it's not supposed to be. That, uh, that he said, you know those that are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. But you see, Nicolaitanism destroys those press precepts and instead separates the ministers from the people and makes the leaders over lords over instead of servants. As Peter said, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So we are to lead the flock by feeding the word. We preach the word. You go apply it. Amen. Now the message is the trumpet call of freedom. It is a jubilee trumpet saying you are free. For Christ is to have preeminence. But can you imagine how Satan wants to use message, the message itself to build again denominational walls? And many of them are worse than the mother whore herself. Dividing churches, dividing families, you know, forbidding fellowship, saying, oh, maturity can only come by belonging to a certain group. That the token can only be obtained by belonging to a certain group. That the rapture can only happen in a certain group. Let me tell you, it's not a group affair. I want to get it to you. It's not a group affair. It's not about belonging to even like happening. It's about belonging to Christ. His presence in the individual with a personal vindication of himself. Expressing himself. The living word that's promised for the day. 
expression itself through you. A vindication of the great revelation of God. Look, only in the individual, never a group. An individual, not in a group. His identification is with an individual. You get that? Not with the Methodist, the Baptist, not the Presbyterian, not the Lutheran, not the Pentecostal, but as an individual. I'll take one and leave one. I'll separate them. Do you know that's going on? He'll take one, he'll leave one. He'll take one, he'll leave one. Come on. Amen. That's exactly right. There, there. This is the way that it works. He will take it and, and right in the group, he calls out individuals. Amen. As he said, there'd be two in a bed. I'll take one and leave one. It's not a group. It's a personal vindication. Of an impregnated child of God. Filled with the Holy Ghost. So surrendered to God. That he don't care about anything else. And the Holy Spirit is living his life. Pulsating through him. Showing the personal vindication of the word itself. Expressing itself to the people. And to the world. That's right. Amen. A personal vindication. Not a church vindication. A personal vindication. Yeah. Every person must have that moment in God's presence. But they give him preeminence and he becomes the Lord over their lives. Amen. But you see, uh, each group wants to claim to be Jerusalem. Men wants to sit in the place of worship. And it's all about the children of the slave woman that wants to be heir with the children of the free woman. These spirits have been back in Genesis. Well, due to Sarah's lack of faith in her position as a mother of the chosen race, in her weakness, she gave a slave girl, Hagar, to be the mother of the race. Therefore, today, there's still now the preeminence, the fight for the preeminence. The Jews, the original owners, they claim. The Muslims, they claim. The Catholic and the Protestant denomination, they want to be the Jerusalem. The battle is all about moving the squatters. Amen. A person who would, a squatter is a person who unlawfully occupies an uninhabited building or piece of land. Yeah. And so this is what is going on, and this is what the struggle has been about here recently. Yeah. The rights, the battles that have been in Gaza has been over. The Supreme Court decision of Israel given rights to the Israeli to legally remove Palestinians from properties purchased by the Jews. And when they just heard that they were going to be here, the decision hadn't been met. Right. And when they just heard about it, they began to riot and uproar. You see, this is Satan's tactic. The very moment he shields. That for signs will follow them that believe. The very moment he hears, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The very moment he hears that he can't be a squatter in your body anymore. The very moment that he hears that there's salvation priest and he's going, he can't possess a young man or woman anymore. Are you with me? Did he begin to survive? Did he begin to throw down? Did he begin to strike everywhere? Hallelujah, but we've got more than an iron door. We've got the seal of the Holy Ghost and the word of the promise. And we can find that closer. Missile after missile. It's not faithful. It's not faithful. It's not faithful. You have no right to our land. You have no right. 
Michigan in 1982, the Palestinian residents signed an agreement accepting the Jewish ownership of the land while being allowed to still live there as protected tenants. And the Palestinian residents have since repudiated the agreement and have ceased to pay rent. So they wanted to squat that. They don't want, they don't want to pay rent. They don't want to recognize even the agreement that they signed. Now this is like the devil. That's right. Oh, you'll agree that the promise is yours as long as you don't try to possess it. Yeah. Come on. But I want you to know that heaven's supreme court has taken the seals off of the book, yeah. off of the ancient records, and so plainly that the throne is ours. Yeah. Remember, he said in the expedition of the seven churches, what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the Spirit manifest in divers signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That is her inalienable rights. Yeah. Inalienable rights mean rights that are unable to be taken away. Satan cannot take that away. Amen. What they had on the day of Pentecost is our inalienable rights. It cannot be given away by us. Being the professor, we can't give it away. Amen. And they can't take it away. When the war begins. Revelation 12 and 7. I wanted to show you the outcome of this battle. And we'll start up from there again next service. Revelation 12 and 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought. And his angels. He ain't giving up easy. That's right. Listen, church, you make a mistake when you get you think you get prayed for and the devil's just gonna play, go, get up and play dead. He's gonna fight you. He's gonna bring every unbelief there is. Look at the wars that would take place right on the platform. In the spirit right. We'll get into that in another service. We don't have time for it this morning. But right there on the on the platform there. Demons will scream out and come to the aid of other devils to yeah. try to keep them congregating with unbelief. Yeah. Unbelief would gather. Yeah. Amen. There, there would be all kinds of things that would be happening. Satan would even anoint men when Brother Bannon would tell them to bow your heads. Yeah. Reverence right. it. Yeah. Amen. Because of all the unbelief that was coming, just bow your head. And they refused to do it. And they would fall out under demon spirits when they were cast out. Is that right? But notice that war was in heaven and the Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Like I said, there's a war going on. There's a war going on for our young people. There's a war going on for our older people. There's a war against the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's every kind of doubt and fear that is being thrown at people in this day, in this hour. Are you with me? But I want you to know that dragon fought in his angels and listened to the, to the end of the battle and they prevail not. Listen to the prophecy. Listen to the word. Your enemy is not going to prevail. No, sir, the 
lift your hands and praise him for Hallelujah. He has given you the victory. Thank you for the victory this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Won't you go ahead and thank him for your healing right now? Your deliverance right now. Hallelujah. Oh, the salvation of God right now. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, praise you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Lord, the enemy's been against us, but they prevail not. Hell has been against us, but it hath not overcome us. But we still remain here today, Father, fighting a good fight of faith. Oh, we praise you for every healing. We praise you for every deliverance. We praise you for everything you've done for us, Lord. How great. How wonderful. Amen. Let's just sing out to be, be flat. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. All see how several quite a few people that know last year I was served two lawsuits uh, concerning the business and uh, they've been going on for months and I had asked I'd come up several times for prayer asking the brothers to pray 
and Timothy and Brother Aaron and Brother Tim all had preached such tremendous services on He is our warrior God. He fights for us in the battle. Let him fight the battle. He fights for us. And I just wanted to testify that about a month ago, the first one came to trial. My lawyer had called me the day before, not trial, but had went to court. The lawyer had called me the day before and said, uh, there's two different ways if this was to be dismissed, that it could be dismissed. <clears throat> and he explained it to me. He said, this would be the best outcome. And he explained it. He said, but there's a very slim chance that that will happen. He said it could be dismissed in another way. And so I had actually flown to Tucson to see my mom. He called me about two hours after I landed. And he said, I just want to tell you that the court today, the judge dismissed it in the way that I didn't think he would. Amen. He said, and it's dismissed. And uh, he said, there's a small chance it could come back. In, a, in about 30 days, there's an opportunity for it to be, you know, maybe resurface, but it has not. And God has totally taken that, and I just want to give him all the praise and the honor and the glory, because he is faithful. Yes, he is. In every situation I can testify over the last three years, there's been situations where God has proved himself faithful over and over and over again. It may not be even a sickness as a trial you're going through. It could be another type of trial, but I just want to testify God is faithful. There's another one that's going to be heard this week, the second one. And I just covet all your prayers, knowing our God is faithful. He's going to take care of this one, too. And I want to thank him right now ahead of time for that, too. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Amen. Amen. That's that kind of God we serve. God bless you today. I know this has kind of ended a little different and maybe not the way we thought it would go, but God knows. And he's faithful. Amen. And we, we want to thank him for his goodness and his mercy. Let's sing that again. I don't know if the deacons got some flashlights or something they can turn on them mezzanines, especially. We'll let them, the mezzanine, be dismissed first. And uh, be brought down very, very safely as possible.